KCL or live. With thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo, with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets and a state-of-the-art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie. Um, but as we said, Dr. Doyle Crowley joins us this morning from Airfield Medical Centre. Many people quite happy about the fact that six and seven-year-olds can now avail of free medical cards, but GPs um, seem to be worried. Dr. Doyle Crowley, thank you for your time this morning. Are you worried at the uh, rollout of medical cards to those younger age groups? Brian, so for, look, first of all, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a welcome development, and I suppose any any good news in healthcare is always, it, it, it should always be applauded. I suppose... Um, so for anyone six and seven, you know, with children aged six and seven, they can go online, they can apply to their GP um, to get a doctor visit card, which means that their visit to the doctor um, is free, basically. Obviously, medications they have to pay for, um, but they, they, they get access to their GP with a free visit. So that's that, that's something that, that, that is good to be lauded. And we're one of the one of the only countries in Europe that that um, you have to pay to access your GP in uh, at this age group. So it's a, it is a good news development. I suppose the issue is is obviously, and we've spoken about this before, which you on the show is capacity and how to access your GP. And obviously, we have a shortage of GPs in the country. So therefore, if you increase the number of visits to the G, number of people coming to your GP, um, there is going to be a capacity issue. Mm. But I suppose on the round, it's still where the country needs to get to. And I suppose the journey is going to be a little bit fraught over the next couple of years until we increase the capacity for general practice. Uh, there are going to be problems. Now, one of the, the good things on this is that there are a few measures announced that will allow GPs to um, hold on to staff. It's a very competitive environment in terms of medical secretaries and in terms of nursing. And there are a number of measures alone, uh, announced along with this that will allow us in general practice to hire more staff and to hold on to the staff we already have to be able to deal with the increased capacity. But is the problem staff or is the problem actual GPs? So uh, obviously, uh, we, you know, the, the joy of having more staff is you can, you know, particularly nursing staff is that you can, it can help in the working day. Ultimately, however, though, you're 100% correct. We don't have enough GPs in the country and we will have to look at how we're going to increase the number of GPs in terms of increasing the number of doctors, first of all. There are schemes out there at the moment that are looking at how we're going to increase the number of GPs coming into the system. And in the last year, the minister has announced a doubling of the GP workforce over the next three years. All of that has to be welcomed. And then we've got to look at, well, how are we going to retain our graduates, make sure that they're that, that, that they don't just train here and then they go off abroad and work abroad and never to return here. So we have to look at making our system that little bit more attractive to hold on to GPs. Well, I mean, the Irish Medical Organisation has said that you know the expansion will probably impact not just the retention, but also the recruitment of GPs in the first place. Um, is it a concern that as we open up GP practices, make them more available to more and more of our population, GPs or potentially new GPs will go, oh, it's just going to be too busy. I'm not interested in taking that workload on. Well, that's always, that's always the danger. But I suppose we need to be honest with people, first of all. That's what Sloan to Care offers. And the, all the political parties have mentioned Sloan to Care in their policy. Um, this is the way the, the, the health system is going to go. So therefore, we need to plan 
as a society of how we're going to cope with that. And that really means increasing the number of GP graduates, increasing the number of doctors coming into the system, and also making sure that before doctors go abroad, that they have a a wealth of knowledge in terms of what goes on in general practice. Now, I'd be an optimist. I think general practice is a lovely place to work. Um, it's a cradle little grave uh, dealing with patients. It's a, it's a very enjoyable place to work. But I suppose that the onus is on us working in the practice to deal with the government and saying, right, um, it's a lovely place to work. But if you make it too busy, people will leave and go elsewhere. You're 100% correct. Can you give us some sort of insight as to roughly how many GPs we've got in the country and how many you think that number might need to increase by to get to that level of balance that we need? So actually, we can go outside Ty Crowley's view. They've actually produced figures on this, looking at the, 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 at the increase in obesity and the increase in epidemics that are going around the place at the moment. Uh, at the moment, we currently have 2,500 GPs working in the system. By the year 2028, they reckon we need another 1,400 GPs to be working in the system. And that's to take take over retirements that are coming and obviously the increase in workload and the increase switching to the various types of care that are coming. So we need another 1,400 GPs. That means even if we expand the numbers they're talking about in the next two years, we need to hold on to all our graduates yeah. for the following three or four years to match that. And that's yeah. the challenge. I mean, you're talking about, roughly speaking, four years away before we need to have that extra 1,400 GPs. How many how many people pass out each year as qualified GPs and how many do we actually hold on to? So at the moment, we're talking about going from uh, probably about 170 to going up to about 350. So we're going to be doubling the numbers in the next two to three years. And is that, atta- is that so attainable? The- um, again, it's ret- it goes through ret- retention is the difficulty. I yeah. think it is attainable to train them. Its retention is going to be the the challenge. Okay, um, so huge. Do you think in in terms of you know people are going to find that GP practices with the expansion of the likes of the medical card schemes things like that that there's no doubt GP practices are going to be clogged up for the next four years at least anyway. Well, I think waiting lists will expand a little bit in terms of, you know, your average waiting time at the moment. And it varies. It, 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 it's, it's say for routine appointments. And I suppose, you know, us as a society needs to get used to, you know, before we had a situation that you could phone up your GP and get a same day appointment. Uh, if you're sick, no, that's something that we're going to. That's really what practices are trying to, to, to cover, you know. Uh, but for a routine appointment, those waiting list times are going to expend from about two weeks. They'll probably go to about four weeks looking looking at the way the system is going. And I suppose that's going to be the new norm for the next the, the next decade, I would suspect. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, because a, a texter making a point here, the GP visit card shouldn't, shouldn't in this particular person's uh, opinion, make any difference to the GPs, as surely... The children getting the cards are already ready registered with GPs, um, and they've been paying in private. But they're by their parents. The children attended the doctors anyway. Uh, so what's the capacity problem? Well, the, the, there's a slight difference in that, although they are already patients as a practice, um, and you know this is this is worldwide. When you put a financial barrier to attend practice, people don't attend. But now there isn't a barrier, so there is an increase. And they've shown this with say, the under six card. There's about a 25% increase in the in the visits over a two-year basis of the way that they will attend. So therefore, people do attend the GP a little bit more often 
it's not a lot, but it is a, it is more often. And, you, and if you if you have a couple of hundred children in your practice and it increases the visits, and it's not a bad thing, it's a good thing, but it just means that that it does put more pressure on the GP and it does increase the, the waiting time to see your GP. Um, maybe it's a question that you wouldn't be too happy to answer, but I'll ask ask it anyway. Uh, give me <laughs> give me give me a rough percentage on how many of those people who then start to attend GP practices more regularly. Do you sit through gritted teeth thinking you're only here because of the fact it's free? Uh, no, I, 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 in, 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 I don't think like that at all. Actually, Brian, really, it's we, we deal in numbers. So, so that it actually doesn't bother us. I'm, I, I'm sitting in, <laughs> at work looking after patients. So you, you tend not to look at, you know, you tend to find out why they're attending. So if they're attending a lot, you begin to start asking, well, I wonder what's, you know, what's the driver for this person attending a lot, you know, when they might have been attending a lot before. And it's to try and find out that because it's generally a healthcare need. People don't generally attend, you know, we all lead busy lives. So, Spending three hours down in a GP surgery uh, to attend on a regular basis. It's not something that one would do willingly mm. or something that one would do just because they have a free medical card. So I think there's other drivers rather than just, oh, no, I have a card, I'm going to use it. Okay, it's interesting to hear all your views on that in terms of how it will affect the GP practices, but something else that's sort of cropped up, and we don't want to spend a huge amount of time on it, um, we've spent enough time dealing with it, is uh, the recent rise in COVID cases. Give us um, a little bit of an insight as to how that's manifested itself in your practice. So, yeah, Brian, uh, what's, what's happening is now there's, there's, there's definitely more calls coming with sort of upper respiratory illnesses. There seems to be an increase in the, in the number of people with uh, upper respiratory illnesses looking across the water. There's certainly the, the, the new variant has sparked an interest. It is in the country here. Um, and I suppose we just need to go back to some of the basics. You know, please God, we're never going to go back to the, the uh, to 2020. But I suppose we do need to remind people that if you do have a, a, a cold or a flu-like symptoms, that you need to take some basic precautions, such as reducing down your temperature, drinking plenty of fluids, and you stay away from other people because it could be this new variant you don't know. Uh, so it's a matter of just some basic measures to say, well, as opposed to saying, right, I have the flu, I'm now going to go to that party tonight and possibly uh, bring infection around. It's just to go back to some of the basic measures that, that, and I think we'll get through this. Yeah, I mean, there's a text in here and um, there's no detail in it specifically, so I'm happy enough to read it. It says, morning, Brian, can you ask the doctor? My daughter tested positive for COVID last Saturday. Uh, she was working in a hospital, so she had to go into the hospital to do a test on Tuesday. It was positive, but she was told to do another test and go back to work to just wear a mask, uh, but said she did a test uh, last night and it's still positive. Surely not right to go back to work dealing with patients and um, presumably people within the medical profession who test positive how long do they have to wait now given the current guidelines before returning to work you generally stay out five days yeah so five days is the is is the time frame that you stay out and then you're at that stage now testing just because you test positive with a cold antibody after the five days generally after the five days uh the chances of infecting others has reduced down considerably. And most people, uh, when they've done the, the initial test, five to seven days is more, more than enough time for it to, to clear the system. 
Okay, and I presume then in terms of general advice, we're certainly nowhere near where we were. And thankfully, I think everybody's, you know, I think it was a good thing. It's terrible to say that COVID was a good thing. But one of the effects of it was that people have become much more aware of their own um, responsibilities if they are feeling unwell. I had somebody cancel an appointment with me last week because she had a bit of a tickly throat, as she said it. And I was like, that's a bit of a cop out. Turns out she tested positive for COVID two days later. Um, it's that type of level of responsibility and personal responsibility that people need to take given the current circumstances. That's it. And we like we do forget at the time of COVID, we were all very irresponsible. And a tickly throat, you wouldn't have dreamt of going out into a social circumstance. Uh, and you pointed out really well. Whereas now, and, and I, I probably have the same feeling as you as you did there, Brian. You said, "Ah, it's only a sore throat." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I suppose the momentum shifts a little bit, and you 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 get carried away with other things. And I suppose it's all about emphasis, really, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, Dr. Ty Crowley, thank you very much for joining us this morning, and I hope you uh, you're not snowed under with five and six year olds attending with tickly throats. Thanks, Brian. Thanks a million. Cheers. Always a pleasure. KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets and a state-of-the-art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie